0: There is a thin divide between what is perceived as spiritual and what is perceived as paranormal, for they are forever intertwined throughout time. Traveling within the history of the world, we can find examples of spirituality that involves everything from magic, spirits, gods and goddesses, seers, or people said to be able to talk to the dead, to the great beyond. We all have our belief systems, we all have our own truths, so let us possibly bend those truths a bit with some insights and perspectives that may be different than yours or even give validation for what you see as true. Come sit with myself and the best of the best in the research, teaching, discovery, and practitioners of the day. My name is Bear Medicine Walker. And I welcome you to Spiritually Paranormal. Well, welcome everyone again to uh, another episode of Spiritually Paranormal. And I'm really excited about today because uh, I have the Haunted Histories uh, host, penny griffiths morgan here don't laugh because you're you are you're awesome and uh, she's from uh the paris search a radio group over in the uk and um that's where i've gotten to know her but we just had so much in common and and she's so knowledgeable with everything that um she has studied and I love history so um definitely wanted to bring her on today so we can uh kind of talk about some of the stuff she's done and some of the stuff she's researched and uh so welcome Miss Penny welcome to Spiritually Paranormal.
1: Thank you so much Beth. Thank you so much listening to your intro just then. It's so relaxing. That <laughs> music. I was just sitting here like <laughs> pinching well, myself so chill. I was so chilled out listening to that
0: that's so funny um well I got to tell you um uh, Mr. Chris Free who I consider um a dear friend and brother uh is out of the Carolinas and he is a musician and an amazing one and he's written many pieces for different movies and um different mm-hmm. things television shows and what have you but he also does uh, Native American flute music and other stuff mm-hmm. and um he has always uh, allowed me to utilize his music. And uh, this is one. I thought that piece was very fitting for this show. <laughs> no, it was lovely. It's,
1: it was I, was. I was just sitting here sort of drifting. Listening. It's a bit like that, um, the flute music you introduced me to, your your other friend. Oh, his name lip, is,
0: little, yeah. Little, my little biscuit brother. Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh
1: that stuff. I, I yeah, the, the, he, he, you know, played um, my husband's video that I'd just seen. I think it was Tears of Heaven. Tears mm-hmm. from Heaven, mm-hmm. and he, my husband's not a music, music person, I am, but he's not, and he just sort of was like, that is so relaxing, I was like, it is, isn't it, it's just the, oh, it just, oh, it just drifts away, oh, yeah. but I'll, I'm, I'm getting my energy levels back up, I'm getting the energy go. levels back up for this, yes.
0: But relaxed is good. I am relaxed. I like to chill, you know. Um they've got some upbeat stuff too. I'll have to send you over some stuff to introduce yeah. you a little bit more to them because uh, yeah, they're they're pretty phenomenal. They they're uh amazing i love their families and uh johnny has actually been to my home a few times we've hosted him here in michigan uh when he's come here to play for uh groups here and stuff over the years and uh yeah they're great i love them they're part of the wolf and the bear network so i absolutely love them
1: see i'm a rock person normally my music is rock but i love listening to other things and something quite sort of different and uh, no, I've was—I been enjoying listening to, to the stuff that you've been sharing from your friends. So thank you for that.
0: You're welcome. Well, I, I grew up with rock and roll. I mean, I grew up, you know, uh, my first concert ever was Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band down at Cobo there Hall you, Live.
1: There you go. Uh,
0: so, yeah, and he was from our backyard. He's from Michigan, too. And of course, uh-huh. we've got Kid Rock here in Michigan. And you have. Yeah. Yeah, Kid Rock actually went out with one of my friends, so yeah. so, yeah, you know, and his dad used to own, well, he might even still own, I don't know, I haven't followed it, but he owned uh, um, car dealerships here in Michigan, so, yeah, Kid Rock, we were, uh, Richie, we were always, uh, knew about the Richie boys and what was going on with them guys, so, yeah, so, yeah, I'm from rock and roll, so, Yeah, we love it. But I like, like you, I like all kinds of music, you know, and uh, I think as I've gotten older, I've learned to come to appreciate, you know, different things in life, you know. But one thing I can tell you, um, and one of the things that I said in just talking when we first started here is I've always been a history buff yeah. and an archaeological, I did studied archaeology in school. Uh-huh. And so that's always been one of my my favorite things. And to do the haunted histories is to also do the background of, you know, where these places and what the histories were over the years and, yeah. and how po- perhaps they came to be known as haunted. Yeah. And just so you know, if you hear a, a cat, kind of crying in the background that's my Siamese and she never shuts up so yeah she's decided to come in here and she's putting her two cents in so well I have
1: to warn you if you hear a child suddenly come in my
0: eldest son my
1: nine-year-old his his dad's just picking him up from his school disco and yeah yeah. and they've been told they've got to be quiet when they come in but you know he's nine so yeah. you might suddenly get. who are you talking to, mom? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, no, no problem. And that's no problem. I don't have an issue with that. I never, you know, life is never in the way. Life is messy. Life is fun. Life is full of twists and turns and we never know what's going to go on. So oh, I'm, I'm never, I'm never, even on air, I don't have a problem with it. Never have. So it's yeah, all good. It's,
1: it's happened a few times when I've been doing my show, I must admit, and I'll be sort of gesticulating <laughs> at them to be quiet. Please. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't go that matter. way. So okay, so no, now tell doesn't. me I know I, I I know how you had experience as a young kid mm-hmm. um that you really couldn't explain and mm-hmm. and uh so that has that been what has driven you to look into more of the histories with places, uh or? I think the
1: history thing came first, if okay. I'm honest with you. My my parents were always very um from when my late sister and I were very young if whenever we went on holiday they wanted us to see stuff holidays weren't just about sitting on a beach or mm-hmm. um it, it I mean yes there was there was the more frivolous activities but they always liked to take us places so we could experience things and um they were probably the ones that started my love of history and because they've also always encouraged me to ask questions and to say I don't really understand this. Obviously, I, when when I was young, we didn't have computers. We had great big encyclopedias that, right? You know, yeah. Um, and so they would say, right, look it up, then come back to us and talk to us. So that's kind of where it started. the The paranormal side, I was probably, I was trying to think how old I must have been when I had that experience. I must have been about nine maybe 10 because i know i was i was we were out walking our dog and i'm sure i must have been about that because my sister was three years younger than me and do you want me to tell the story of what happened sure yeah 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 yeah. well there was this my parents live in a they still live in the same village in in the middle of nowhere in norfolk we say it's in the boonies in norfolk and it used to be a very quiet village not so much now but it used to be. And so we'd be out walking the dog and there was this barn and it was kind of derelict, but it had like, I think it might've been used as a property at some point, a house. And it was all sort of, the, the wood was all falling apart. If that makes sense on the door, you couldn't get mm-hmm. into it, but you could see through it. Mm-hmm. And we always used to, I used to like to scare my little sister and say that, you know, the, the witch lived in there, or, you know, as kids as <laughs> kids do, you know. I, I had an antique copy of Grimm's fairy, Grimm fairy tales that I used to love to scare her with. As, yeah, the as, real Grimm
0: tales, yeah. The yeah, real
1: yeah. one, yeah. yeah. And I read from a very young age, so I used to to like making up stories to scare her. And we were looking through the door, the two of us, and the only thing I can compare this thing to was like Tinkerbell from Peter Pan. It was like this little bright light, like a star bright, and it was flitting around the, the thing. And it, it wasn't like there was no light coming in. It wasn't like someone was – it was sunlight because it was flitting. It was almost like a, a lit-up insect. Oh, That's wow. the only way I can describe it. This is the middle of the day. So uh, I can't – and it, it was weird because it was like flying. A, it, it looked like this light was – the speed it was going, it was darting all over the place. And we were both absolutely transfixed. And it suddenly flew at us at the door that we were looking through, hovered, and then flew off again. And and we were just we both were very sort of what was that?
0: <laughs> A drunk fairy, no, <laughs> well, I think it could have been. I think thinkers could have been on the absence, yeah. <laughs> but
1: it was like when I've talked to people about it, I said it's not it's not an orb in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean, obviously now I'm older and I've studied it more, and it wasn't like that. It, 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 say, it, it looked it was like a Tinkerbell type thing. The way it, if she flitted around in the films and things, and it was the way that it would fly at us and then flew off, and it wasn't like going on the on a I suppose the thermals in the air or anything. Mm-hmm. It literally had its own agenda, and the two of us kind of walked away. And I remember it. We were both a bit like sort of yeah almost punch drunk
2: mm-hmm. if that
1: makes sense it was a bit sort of like something very strange just happened and I remember us telling our mum and she was like oh don't be daft it was just an insect or it was this or that and we were both like no it it, it wasn't and her and I used to sort of keep it quiet because my mum was like no no don't talk about it people will think you're nuts just mm-hmm. just leave it and the house my mum and dad live in it's it's only sort of it's about 50 years old so it's not exactly an old house, and. My dad used to work away, and I remember times my sister and I would be sitting in the living room, and my mum would be in there with us, there's no one else in the house, and we'd see a shadow come past the living room door and go up the stairs. And we'd hear the noise of the stairs, and we'd be like, Mum, who's, who's in there? Sure, there's no one there. And we'd see it, the two of us. We'd both uh-huh. sit there and watch it. Um, and it was probably that that made me start to think, there's stuff that we don't understand, kind of discouraged in my family.
2: Well, I think back in the
0: day we were younger, it was discouraged, period. Nobody wanted to know. Nobody wanted to talk about that stuff because it would draw unwanted attention. Mm -hmm. And really, if you really look at it until, like, I want to say probably around 2000, it wasn't even becoming, because that's when it really started to maybe become more accepted. Yeah. And then even another, you know, 10 years into it, Um, before people were really like really openly talking about it and Mm. there was more and more like books available, even though the Mm. books, you know, I always say books are never um, about the paranormal are not absolutes. And I always tell people that it's Mm. because, you know, it's just experiences of what some Mm. people have gone through to compare to correct. Yeah. You know, so I, you know, to be able to see, and then I, I, I'm a psychology major um, as well, and I also worked at Children's Hospital in Detroit for uh, 12 years. So uh, seeing some of the things I saw back in those days, we all knew there was more, and it seemed like kids were open and still are. I still yeah. believe that that they see more than we do because as we get older, we're kind of put to society's norms of saying, oh, no, you know, yeah. like you said, like yeah. your mom said, no, nope, don't tell anybody. They'll think you're crazy.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I say. I mean, my, my two sons see and hear stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: and fortunately, my husband sort of, he'll say, how do we deal with this? And I went, we talk to them about it. I'm mm-hmm. not going to tell them you're not saying that you're not hearing that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't want them to think it's bad or it's something weird or um and that's probably because of my background i'm mm-hmm. quite happy doing that and and i have been called on to do sort of talk to other people's children who've said they're seeing stuff mm-hmm. um as a friend but it, it's i agree with you it was interesting actually when i interviewed barry fitzgerald who used uh goes on to the international chat
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we
1: were talking about this and he was saying there's been tests done on children's peripheral vision That they see in a different, they have a different spectrum of colour that they see in until they're about seven years old, Uh and they think this one of the spectrums they can see in, and I can't remember whether he said it was the UV spectrum or the infrared spectrum, but they have a different spectrum of sight, and that's why a lot of them see stuff.
0: That would make sense.
1: Yeah, that adults don't, and it it would make sense. So I, I, but yeah, I did damp it down for quite. I did sort of. I probably when I sort of hit about twenty, I sort of thought, no, I'm not gonna, no, this is. I still believed in it, but I was like, no, I'm not. It's not. I'm not experiencing it. Um But then, does when it I was, run
0: in your family, Penny? I didn't mean to interrupt, but does it run that's in? That's all right.
1: Well, that's an interesting question because I think possibly it does, but I think certain members of my family have never realized that's what it is. Now, does, that does make your sense?
0: husband have it? No. Okay, so then the boys would get it from you.
1: They get it from me. How
0: about and, your parents?
1: Well, that's the thing. I'm pretty sure <laughs> on my mum's side. I'm pretty sure because some of the things she's me. I'll be like, Mum, that's pretty. That's that's heightened intuition, Mum. That's like, um. But she's like, but she was raised Catholic, very strict Catholic. Um. And and I th- I think I do think it it there is a a line a hereditary line. Um. I do remember her telling me once that she woke up once in the middle of the night on top of the chest of drawers, and she doesn't know how she got there when she was a child. Uh-huh. But she felt, she said, all I felt was I felt like somebody had been carrying me. Uh-huh. And a few of those, but she's very guarded about the stuff. Um, oh yeah,
0: having been raised Catholic, and then a ca- I'm Native, but I was adopted when I was seven months old. My parents. Right me look into my heritage but they were catholic and they really loved me and trusted me a lot and i was the baby so i was like very different than the other children Mm -hmm. so my sister when she was alive she used to tell me i was spoiled rotten and maybe but i was also could see things and hear things and yeah uh, going through 12 years of catholic school from grade school on um I definitely wound up in the hallways with my desk more often than that because <laughs> I would tick off the nuns and piss off yep. the deacons because, you know, I'd say they'd make comments, you know, and I'd say, well, no, that's not what it is. And I'd be seeing somebody behind them telling me how it was or, yep. you know, uh, one of the deacons I remember that, you know, um, the age old uh, Mary Magdalene was a whore. You know, mm-hmm. she was, uh, oh, that's what they called her, you know. And I, I looked at him, and I, I remember saying to this deacon, and he was very young. He was only, like, 28, but, you know, this is an all-girls Catholic school, too, mind you. So uh, this was in my, like, 11th grade, and he made that comment. And I said, that's not true. Who told you that? And he, he just looked at me. He said, what are you talking about? And he said, it's written. I go, it doesn't mean that's right. I said, Mm. she was married to Jesus Christ, you know, I said, they had a family, why would you, and this is like before even now, because this was in the 70s, yeah, okay, Kim, out out in the hallway, take your desk, you know, and then I'd have to go to the principal's office, so yeah, Catholics are like, they don't want to know you can see and hear stuff, especially back in the old days.
1: Yep.
2: So
0: I understand where your mom's coming from. Yep. <laughs> yep. I
1: yeah most people do when I say that but she still doesn't really want to accept it but um she does I think she has shut it off. Mm-hmm. Um but I get it from somewhere and the fact that my boys have got it it's it's it, there's a line it's going you can't down.
0: Truly shut it off, Penny. You can't truly shut it off. You can ignore it. No. Mm. But I I just had this discussion with somebody this morning. I I am a firm believer you can't totally shut it off. It's always there. It's just whether you acknowledge
1: mm. it or not. Yeah. Well, she I think she ignores it. She she and she <laughs> tries. It, there must be a real a sort of a dichotomy for her. The the sort of the having experienced things that she can't explain, but also the 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 sort of the inbuilt Catholic sort of <laughs> guilt and teachings and. Yeah. It must be a real, but I, I was I was never really raised. I was never raised a Catholic. I was kind of raised to find my own way from a religious perspective. So, I I don't have any. This is right, and this is wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. Sort
1: of. I sort of take it as I find it. But it's ironic that one of the the most prolific weird experiences I had was actually at the funeral of my history teacher. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is this is this is. So true my my history teacher i i adored him my secondary history teacher Mm -hmm. from the age of like 12 to 16 well actually 18 um and it was nothing weird or anything in it i adored him we got on incredibly well um i used to see him on a regular basis because he'd drive down this road that went past my parents house to get somewhere and if i was out cycling or walking he'd always wave and he had this antique car as well so he was very hard to miss quite quirky and he really, really helped me get to learn history and get to love it. And it was quite frequent after a lesson, him and I would sit chatting about something,
2: mm-hmm. like, in
1: more depth. And um, he he died very suddenly. I think he was about 47 whilst he was playing rugby on the rugby pitch, just mm-hmm. dropped down there the heart attack. And, and I'd left, I was, like, 21, so I'd left school by that point. And I was really upset, really upset, because I thought the world of him.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I went to his memorial service. And the house was near my parents, rather than where I was... The church, sorry, was near my parents. And I drove there. And um, my car keys were in my handbag, which was under the pew in front of me. No hot pipes. It's the middle of summer. No hot pipes. It's not contacting any stone. It's not being nailed on. When I came out to get back in my car, my car key had been bent over double and twisted 180 degrees. Oh. The scientist tried to replicate this. He couldn't do it with tools and heating the metal. The And I had no spare car key because my then boyfriend had lost the spare a couple of weeks beforehand. I had to call my sister, who was still around at that point, to come and get me, to race me into Norwich to get, <laughs> get a new key cut. Right? Yeah. And the a bit of a Thelma and Louise type, killing ourselves laughing as she's driving her little car at the rate of knots into the centre of Norwich to get his keys. And it was hilarious. The two of us, I don't think we'd laugh that much ever. Um, and she died a year later. Oh. So I actually think either the key was, this was done to my key to stop me getting in the car because something was going to happen, mm-hmm. or it was to force these memories, if that makes sense. That's the, yep. own, that's the way I sort of Because it's the sort of thing my history teacher would have done to protect me. It is the sort of thing he would have done. And it was one of those things that nobody's ever been able to replicate it with the tools that there was, if that makes sense. hmm So, um, yeah. Yeah, that was one of the weirdest things, and it, it really sort of made me sort of go, whoa.
0: <laughs> yeah, it um, would make anybody go, whoa, I think.
1: <laughs> but then looking at it in hindsight, as, as sort of as events unfolded over the next few years, I was thinking, if that hadn't have happened this amazing experience with my sister yeah. where her and I were actually well, wetting ourselves laughing yeah. driving speed into Norwich in her little car, her little mini to try and get this <laughs> new pickup so <laughs>
0: that's cool though but that's cool and, and you know sometimes you're right the universe steps in and uh, I think spirit steps in often to um, you know get us on that right path to get yep. us to experience things we probably wouldn't experience to give us that little nudge in that certain direction. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And I'm sure he's really giggling up there in spirit world, uh, as you're doing haunted histories. I He'd think he's loving it. He'd yeah. Be loving it.
1: Well, the funny thing was he actually told my mom when I decided to do history, a level, which is the exams we do in the UK between 16 and 18. He went, Penny, you'll hate it. She'll flunk it. She won't pass. <laughs> and my mom's like, really? And he went, she'll love a degree history degree she will hate history a level and i did it because i couldn't think of anything else really i wanted to do. he was right i hated it i flunked it it was the most boring thing i'd ever done in my entire life and i'm the one who can sit and research for eight hours for a show quite happily
0: oh but my gosh
1: history a level i hated it and he was he was spot on he was completely right um and that's a history lover saying that she was bored to stick by it. So um,
0: That's yeah. awesome. He
1: will he will be he will be wherever he is and I think he will have a big grin on his face.
0: Oh, I'm sure um, of it. I'm absolutely yeah. positively sure of it. Mm. Well, let's let's just take a quick break here. Uh, we're at the half hour point right now, believe it or not. And hey. uh, when we come back, I want to talk about some of the places that you've researched. Okay. Okay. Sound good? This sounds very good. Okay, we'll be back in a few minutes here on Spiritually Paranormal with my guest Penny Griffiths Morgan from Haunted Histories over on Parasearch Radio. Be right back. <laughs>
3: My Georgia Oh, Georgia Get it all and through This old sweet song Keeps Georgia all my mind i yeah. of me. Father, I'll reach out to me. Father, you hear me now It's just this old sweet song Oh, I say Oh, I say, Keep y'all on my Mind, you know, the little girls that are on my mind.
2: Yes,
0: you do. Ooh, always good for a little bit of Ray Charles with Georgia on my mind. I love that tune, and we that are was fabulous. <laughs> isn't that great, I just love it. And I'm back here with Miss Penny griffiths morgan from haunted histories over on Paranormal search radio and uh, i'm still excited we've just been kind of chatting and that's the we thing know. i love most is just uh kind of chatting with everybody and uh letting y'all get to know what they do and um so i want you if you would to talk a little bit now about i know you said at the beginning that you liked history and i love history okay. so how did you get into um Doing the research with the show and stuff. What what got you to do that?
1: Um, it was about it's probably about two years ago, and I was doing an investigation um, at Ruffham Airfield, which was Mm -hmm. was used to be RAF Barry St Edmunds during World War Two, and Mm -hmm. it was a US Air Force base. And and probably aviation is one of my biggest loves. Uh, Aircraft. Oh, I love it. I love it. I've been around airplanes since I was. I was three four years old my dad was a he still is um an amateur pilot and um he used to take me down to his airfield and um i've always loved aircraft any aircraft um but i i do love uh world war Two military aircraft i think they're amazing um what they they did and what the pilots and crews went through and social side of it are fascinating so i was doing this investigation at uh, ruffham which is uh uh, well say Bury St Edmunds it's sort of on the I suppose the eastern side of the UK and I, I was doing a Facebook live uh, with a friend of mine and um, Andy Mercer and Richard Clements who used to, Richard used to be the Parasearch radio station owner mm-hmm. and they were larking about and pretending to be my uh, lighting text and all of this
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it was after that that And I was doing the bit to camera, just sort of ad-libbing about the airfield and some of the facts about it and some of the aircraft that had flown from there and all this. And um, it was about a week later that Richard sent me a message on Facebook and said, have you ever thought of doing a radio show?
0: And I was like, yeah,
1: ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Yeah, right. And No, I'm serious. He said, you know, the way you were to camera, you were so natural. You, You put your knowledge across in a very non-arrogant sort of way
0: um you've got a good voice for it too thank you
1: he said Hmm. come up with a show idea and we'll see if it fits in and i thought well history's my thing and then i thought what i'd love to do is compare is almost like compare and contrast the history of a place to the hauntings and hence haunted histories came up and most of the guests i have on i do have a few who are sort of what i would call history nerds as well um someone like Bill Taboney from Australia. Mm-hmm. He he loves mm-hmm. his history. Him and I will talk for about three or four hours now when we get on the phone. <laughs> <We just don't. laughs> and his knowledge is as broad as mine. So we can go from any oh it it just flits around all over the place. It's wonderful. Um when I had on um uh Porter from the Tennessee Race Chase's ghost asylum, he's a history buff as well. So him and I tend to talk a lot of history but most of my guests the 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 paranormal side is their bag. They don't know much Mm -hmm. about the history. So that's when I came up with that. I took the history. Yeah. They took the paranormal. But it's
0: so important to me, it is, to understand if you're going to go into a site Mm -hmm. to do paranormal research or you know, and I can say they're, they're beginning to be more research teams out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, but it's so important to know the history of the place that you're going into. See, I, I
1: agree with you there. I agree. But I know an awful lot of people who like prefer to go in blind so that they can then say whatever they discover is a discovery as opposed to they've fabricated it. My, my point is the fact that I know the history of places, I can use that history as a trigger to ask yeah. specific questions. So, for example, when I did the one at Ruffham, um, um, the, the, my friend who I was with, Daisy, we were looking at this map. There is no telling the story. We were looking at this map on the wall, and it was of East Anglia in, in England, and it was showing all the different U.S. Air Force bases were. It was, an, it was a, a sort of 1940s proper map, and she, she, she sort of said to me, "She goes, why were there so many U.S. Air Force bases in East Anglia?" And so I was explaining the the sort of basic history of why it was. It was the fact that a lot of their runs were straight across the North Sea into sort of Holland and northern Germany and and all around that. Plus the land was very flat. So it didn't, it was quite easy to build the runways and all this. And behind us, we heard a voice, and I can't do American accents, so I do apologize, but (laughs) we we had a very distinctive male voice go, yep, (laughs) as I was explaining this to her and I, I, we both sort of heard it, you know, it's one of those times, we were just, yeah. we only turned the lights off, we were just wandering around, exploring, before we we started properly investigating, and we both heard it, and there was no one else in the building, because we checked, we ran around checking, and it was then, that I sort of really started to realise, that asking these questions, that are pertaining to the history, or talking about something that's relevant, it, he was, whoever this was, was obviously agreeing with me, that yes, those were the reasons, mm-hmm. that, so, yeah, I can see why some people would, you know, they'd get a piece of information. And they'd say, well, that must relate to this thing that happened here or that thing that happened here. But I I, I just tend to ask questions that I think are relating to stuff that might have happened when I see things start to come through. You know, so um, it's like one of the ports I've investigated. I knew there was nobody there before about 1820, 1830. So because that's when the fort was built. Right. So if you're going to ask a soldier, there's no point asking them if they're from the 1700s.
0: Yeah. And there's no point in asking them or speaking to them the way we would speak now, because a lot of times stuff won't like make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm a firm believer of that. I, I just, I, you know, and you look into the history <clears throat> Sean and Bex Reynolds who do Ghost Dimension um I love them I just mm-hmm. I they don't get into everybody's paranormal uh you know egos and all that kind of stuff and they go and do their thing and mm. um they did a show at a I can't remember where it is now that's cuz my brain doesn't work the way it used to but <laughs> they did a show where they went and they investigated it was a bit it's now a bingo hall yeah. and um kind of like um oh I don't know they use it for something else too but it's like for gatherings and what have you and it, it's in a part I've never heard of where it was from but it was really interesting and as I was watching the show and this and I don't know if this happens with you or not but when I it doesn't matter spirit doesn't know time Mm. They don't know whether you're watching this or you're there. You know what I mean? There's like, Mm -hmm. it could have been filmed yesterday and you're seeing it today. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: when I was watching it, I kept getting the mob, like Mm -hmm. the mob mob, like my mob from over here, like the Italian mafia. Okay. Yes. And I kept thinking, okay, well, they're over in England, and then I kept getting the year, I think it was 42, Mm -hmm. and then I saw Frank Sinatra. Now, Sean and Bex never mentioned that. They did mention that it had been used, what it it had been used for a theater before, and they talked about the deaths that had happened um, you know, probably from the '60s forward, and and I, but I watched the whole thing, and it was really a good piece. And they did pick up a bunch of stuff, but I, it wouldn't let me go. And I kept seeing Frank Sinatra, mm-hmm. and he had a glass, like a rocks glass, in his hand with some bourbon over some ice, you know. And he kept shaking it, and I could hear him laughing, and I could hear all the guys laughing, and they were in like World War II mm-hmm. uniforms. Mm-hmm. So after I watched it, I sent a message over to Sean and I said, Sean, was that ever like, a, um, you know, like a cantina or a, like a, a live theater? You know? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I said, it's because I said, I keep seeing all these na- these army guys. Yeah. When I said it, and I'm telling you, Mafia and Frank Sinatra and Frank Sinatra will not let this go. And I know that really seems stupid because people say, oh, yeah, right. You saw Frank Sinatra. Well, you know, it's happened before. So, yeah, Frank Sinatra was there. And he goes, I don't know. We'll have to let's research it. Well, I looked into it on my end as best I could and he Mm -hmm. looked into it and I'll be damned if Frank Sinatra wasn't there in 1942 and he played down the street at the opera house that was two doors over and after he performed he went to this Theater slash casino okay. Mm-hmm. So all I could hear was Mafia, Mafia, Mafia. Mm-hmm. And he was there and he'd hang out with the guys and it was during nineteen
1: forty
0: two when they were there as soldiers.
1: Oh the Sexton over here. Yeah mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Yeah, you got that right. Yeah you go. Yeah, but it's always cool to know yeah. those back histories you know it's like I I just and there's so much history that people don't realize and I that's another thing I love about when you do shows a lot of times you'll even talk about places here in the U.S. I try to I try to I try to
1: be worldwide because it's fascinating yeah
0: it it is it's 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 history Mm -hmm. It, it, and
1: I'm learning as well. I learn every single week, and and that's the other thing I love about it. There's those crossovers, obviously, of things that I sort of thought oh, I knew a bit about that, and on and, you know, um, but I learn every single week, and to me, that's my a privilege, because I love to learn anyway, and this is a reason to do it, and I I love it. Don't it. you
0: feel that in 2018, uh, like true histories are becoming kind of uncovered more, and that when these research, these paranormal groups and research teams are going in and they're getting evidence that it's fitting more because truth is coming out with? Something. Yeah. Have you found that
1: with some of it? I mean, with obviously with things like official secrets acts, that that things that have happened have come to the end period when they're not allowed to be talked about. Um, I I had that recently when I I went to it's a place called Langard Fort uh-huh. in uh, in a place called Felixstowe, and this fort's got like a 500 year history or something amazing like that. And one of the people who was on the investigation is a history teacher, and I know her. I've got to know her. Have, so she lives quite near to me, and we've got be, we're friends and. And, and so she's she, her thing is military history Essex military history and I was doing a bit of a history blurb about, about this place because the medium who normally did the walkthrough had been called sick and they said to me would you come and talk for history and I was, yeah of course I will and and I'd found about this this operation that had been based at Langard I think it was World War Two, and I was talking about it and she was like I've not even heard of that and I know pretty much everything there is to know about the operations that ran out of Essex and she went and looked and yeah that had only been released about a month beforehand and I just happened to find it when I was doing my research so and it made sense some of the information that we got through when we were doing investigations this this uh, operate was to do with balloons and using them as weapons and things mm-hmm. so yes it does but I still think there's an awful lot which gets Marked brushed up. under the carpet mm-hmm. um one of my my blogs that I wrote for Parasearch actually was about that. And it, it was basically entitled Who Decides What History Says? Because one of my bugbears, a real bugbear I've got in the UK, is it's the everyone's becoming so politically correct yeah, I know. that anything that happened in the past, which might be seen as being a bit, oh, no, we shouldn't have done that, is being eradicated or not talked about or... Um, For example, um, the workhouse movement in the UK. Yes, workhouses weren't pleasant places. Yes, people worked hard. Yes, people didn't have a life. But they had a bed, they had a roof over their heads, and they had food. Now, without that, the vast majority of them would have either been dead or starving on the streets. And considering the fact that in the uk i think every poor union would have had in the region of 27 workhouses in each one um we've only got i think it's three permanent museums to workhouses wow in england so for me that's such a massive part of history yet nobody wants to talk about it when the the workhouse in Chelmsford was going to be pulled down quite recent because it's a lot of them turned into hospitals and there was petitions saying you need to keep this as a museum, et cetera, et cetera. And they were like, Oh no, people wouldn't want to know about that. And it's like, well, of course they won't want to know about it. Cause you're not telling them, you know, and, and I, I've read a lot up on work because that's another one of my areas that I find fascinating is the social history side of it. And one of the best writers on it in my view in the UK is a guy called Peter Higginbotham. And, I've uh, heard
0: that name.
1: Yeah. Well, I talk about him quite a lot because <laughs> I think he's amazing. And he has said in some of his books that people think the work, they think of Oliver Twist when they think of the workhouse. And yes, Oliver Twist was, he was an orphan. He was in the workhouse. That's what happened. But what they never look at is the people who, who survived because of the workhouse. And the fact you've got to look back in the 1800s in the Victorian era, being poor was seen to be a choice. It wasn't just something that happened. Um, it, 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 the poor people were almost deemed to be workshite. Now that's not right, but that's how it was. So, and it was it was kind of the advent of the welfare state, the workhouse, because. But what it said is, we're not going to give you money, but you come in here and work for us, and we'll make sure you're fed and watered. Now, y- yes, to today's society, the thought of being six hundred people being in a building and having to break rocks every day to get their food probably would be.
0: Um, yeah, but it's a matter of the time. Powerful. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Think about
1: that. Exactly. Well, and like... that's what bugs me that people want to forget about these things. Asylums. I mean, you you, oh, you say yeah. psychology major, yeah? yeah? When you think, and this is another one I get on my high horse about, when you think of how young mental health treatment is compared to other medical treatments,
2: mm-hmm.
1: of course mistakes are going to have been made in people's lifetimes. Of course it is. Um, You know, and yeah, lobotomies are horrific, and some of the stories. I think it was one of the Kennedy children, wasn't it? She, yeah, she had the lobotomy, and it rendered yeah. her basically completely. And they,
0: they, the lobotomy that was done on her was done by a family friend, mm-hmm. like a doctor that yep. was close to the Kennedys. Yeah, and it wound up being Joseph, the father, is the one that said, "Oh, we're just going to do this for yep. her." And didn't let mom know. Rose didn't know at the nope. time, and it was done. And it, and matter of fact, after that, this particular doctor was railroaded out of. There's what? other
1: things that he did. That yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a story so. that he um he he decided to um I can't remember what he did. He was in the middle of doing a lobot- frontal lobotomy on someone, and um he decided to have a conversation and do it one handed and push. Yeah. Pres- thing too far in, and all that kind was of somebody stuff
0: on the news media i think that was there to report what he was doing and how he was doing it because they were paying him yep. it wasn't covered by medical insurance but he was being paid by yep. basically it was families of the rich Yeah, that had kids they didn't know what to do with that were mentally um Compromise with one thing or the other. Well, and she was
1: brain damaged. She had been div- yeah. she 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 had been starved of oxygen at birth, but, but she, she was, didn't need a yeah. lobotomy. No, she
0: didn't need a lobotomy. But so, it- but
1: a lot of these treatments that we use that we look at now and think, oh my gosh, how barbaric! And yes, there were places where things were done that were and wrong, but a lot of it was a lot of these places were open with the right ideas in mind. They just couldn't maintain it, and. When you, you know, I look at Victorian history in the UK and look at the, you know, before the advent of the asyl- asylums, a lot of these people, uh, they would have ended up in the workhouses or on the streets because no one could care for them. Yeah. And, yeah, I do think it's wrong that people with epilepsy that were put into them, because I do think it's wrong that women who were going through the menopause were put yeah. into them. Of yeah. course I do. Of course I do. But,
0: but nobody that knew was any the- better back then. Yeah, and it
1: was yeah. still quite, some of the stuff they've come up with is stuff that is used today and, albeit, changed slightly. Um, I mean, ECT treatment, electroconvulsive therapy, yes, it looks like stuff of horror films, but they still use it now. Mm -hmm. And it works for some people, not everyone. Um, And obviously, there are some things like putting people into insulin-induced comas to try and rewire their brains and all that kind of thing. Yeah, we know that doesn't work.
0: But they didn't then. No, they didn't, then. and and That's yeah, so everything, funny. yeah, everything with uh, um, progression with medical is always that way. You yeah. know, I look at one of the atrocities that I hate that are is really pushed under the rug here with histories, and um, I've seen some teams go to these places. Was the uh, Japanese Asian internment? Camps out in California yep. Yep. or in during the 1800s when they were building the railroads or mining for gold, how mm-hmm. the Chinese were brought in, and you know, they were just like lower than even, yeah, they were vermin, yeah, yeah, they were lower than black slaves. I'm they not were, saying they
1: were vermin, no, no,
0: that's the like way they, they were looked lived. at, yeah, yeah, and this is a history that really didn't come out till. More recently, I know, like, it's been, like, the internment camp, Mm -hmm. nobody wanted to talk about them, and seriously, I had, I didn't even, in history classes, and I used to take the history classes that I took in high school were Mm -hmm. a lot, and I didn't. You didn't learn about them then no. And even in college I didn't Learn about them and I just finished My psychology degree uh, About it's been about Four years now I want to say And I had history classes there In early America you know And none of this was no. put in Because you know of It's all about the power Of who is in Charge what goes in the history Books and the take that you get at there you go. Yeah. I knew
1: about, we had German internment camps in the UK mm-hmm. in World War I. They were down on the Isle of Wight.
0: Mm-hmm. And I,
1: I don't know why I knew that, but not, I knew that. But I didn't actually learn about the Japanese internment camps in, in World War II in the States. It was actually watching an episode of Hawaii Five O. believe it or not.
2: Oh, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Right? And there was an episode in there where they were flashing back to the 1940s. And they were in one of the internment camps. And somebody, oh, a, a, gar- yeah. a guard had got murdered or something. And this, this the son or the grandson was trying to make it, to, to say to um, Steve, it wasn't my grandfather who did it. You've got to find out who really did it. And I was like, what? Prisons for Japan And so I Googled it. I looked it up because of it being on there and was reading up on it. So one of the things and I they- say to people is you no. never know what's going to trigger your interest in history. Yeah. You never know what's going to make you go, is that real? No, I oh, can't be. look it, it up. They still shove it
0: under the rug. They're still oh, yeah. shoving that under the rug. Um, not as much, obviously, because it's it's known, but nobody wants to talk about it. Mm. It's it's like you know the UFO thing. You know how many places in the United States and I'm sure worldwide where UFOs have been cited, I mean, I'm talking like in the 40s, you know, in the 50s, and that's all shoved under the rug. They don't want to talk about that stuff. They don't want to talk about what maybe they did or didn't do. It's a weather it's, balloon. Yeah, it's a weather, they're all weather balloons. Well, I can honestly sit here and say it wasn't a weather balloon around my house on my lake here. And I can tell you that the state Boys, the state troopers didn't know what it was and the base that's like two and a half hours away from here we called them and they had nothing up in the air either and it was a hovering thing yeah and it wasn't a it wasn't a drone you know it wasn't a helicopter it was big it had lights it went around my house it was in the mm-hmm. winter and it scared the bejesus out of a lot of and mm-hmm. It actually made me nervous, and it wasn't the first time I've seen one, Mm. but this one really super made me nervous, maybe because it was going around my house. (laughs) You never know know what it was looking for then. I wound up calling somebody, and (coughs) I made them stay on the phone with me because it made me that nervous. I wouldn't even go outside to look at it. I could yeah. see it, and it, I could see it out of every angle out of every room in my house through a window, and that was close enough and it was big, it was bright, and it hummed and yeah. uh I can't tell you what it was, yeah. but you know those are things that the government's still shoving under the under the rug playing devil's advocate
1: though the reason I think they do is i don't I think it's the case of some people could cope with it, knowing the truth, I think there's an awful lot of people that couldn't. Um, And and I think it's that, all crumbs, do we risk there being like a, you know, um, chaos by telling people what's gone on at Roswell and what's at Area 51 and what reports we've had and stuff? But do you think there really is like almost like equivalent of an X-Files department in the FBI or NSA or whoever?
0: I, I don't know if it's FBI. I would think that there's some government group. I would think there has had to be. Mm. And I think that, you know, I, I know, and I'm a firm believer that they have, um, division of science, uh, mm. that studies, um, psychological warfare, like mm. psychics, like, yeah. Well, um, they
1: did that in world war 2 didn't they? Yeah. They had, ast- they, that they had, um, yeah. Yeah. It was not astral projection. I'm trying to think what they called it. um, remote viewing yeah yeah so they used that in world war Two, and they used it and it worked but they didn't want to admit it
0: well no so you want to do that if it's supposed to be a secret they're gonna make you think you're crazy but yeah i would think why wouldn't they not so much you think they do but why yeah. wouldn't they yeah i i would think that Probably most countries do. And, you know, knock on wood, I'll say this, and I don't have a Russian connection, but I would imagine the Russians have been doing it for years.
1: I would have thought so. I would have thought so. I mean, you you look back in history about the accounts of the men in black. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the Will Smith film. I'm talking about where that comes from.
0: Dang, I wanted Will Smith to come into my house. Dang. I
1: wouldn't mind Will Smith coming to my house either. He could he could shine that probe thing in my face all he likes as long as he was standing there in front of me.
0: Forget it. Um, forget it. For- <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah I can't for
0: five seconds. Okay, yeah, forget it. Just, just let me remember
1: you seeing in your black suit looking handsome, Will. Just, as long as I remember that bit, I'll forget everything else. Yeah, I wouldn't mind him being my man in black turning up. To be honest, I quite like Tommy Lee Jones as well as my Oh yeah, man. absolutely. The two of them turning up, I'd, I'd be like, "Take me away, officer. I I've been a bad girl." Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's but all. Yeah. That's all part of history. Back in the 1940s, when the G-men started around, the whole men in black started appearing. So, mm-hmm. again, that's history. That see, I know we haven't got long left, but I'm taking over the interview sorry okay. I no, it's I'm... a bit weird it's a bit weird having the tables turned on me but people think history is your fuddy-duddy in 1566 so and so did this and in 1680 it's not history is something that happened yesterday
2: mm-hmm. so
1: the fact that at the beginning of the week um our royal family announced there was going to be another royal baby mm-hmm. that's now history mm-hmm that's now history, and and this is what I try and say to people that hist- I mean, when I did, I've done shows that were from the ninety. 19- things happened in the nineteen sixties, and a lot a lot of people go, "Remember that?" I can remember that. But it's still history. It's still history.
0: And, it involved, and- even so, even though it's history, like what we just said, is now in the history. It's in history, right? Because it's in yep. archive. Yep. Um, it's history. But even if you look into things like, say, the Masons or the Light Templars, they don't go away. Science doesn't go away. Scientists may die, but their work is still here. And everything evolves.
2: Yeah. It's like
0: witchcraft. Somebody Oh, my daughter, we were talking, uh she was home this weekend and she brought something up and something about witchcraft or something and and I just laughed at her. I said, "You think?" She goes, "I would never be a good witch." She said, "Well, I don't know, maybe I would." I go, "Well, you are a witch." She says, "What do you mean? That's not nice." I go, "We're all. If we cook in the kitchen, you do a form of witchcraft because you're working with herbs and spices and you're mixing. Potions, yeah. yeah, they're food, but it's witchcraft. It's a modern day witchcraft. You know, mm. if you go into a different religion and you know, they're using uh, you know, incense or or you know, um oh, candles or what have mm. you. You know, these are things that people still do. It's a ritual. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And people don't think of things like that. Okay. Uh, in life, you know, that, oh, that's not a ritual, that's got nothing to, yeah, it is, it's whatever evolved, you yeah. know, so, yeah. yeah, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it, awesome. yeah, I
1: do, I do get a bit sort of overly passionate, I I do sort of apologize when I say I'm the history nerd, but um, friends do seem to like it when their kids have got to do school homework on history, and they can't get them interested in it, so they call me, and <laughs> get
0: it and has to start. Be- it <laughs> has to be keepers of old knowledge mm-hmm. because without it, even oral history, written history, <laughs> it yeah. has to be there because if it yeah. isn't, we don't learn and evolve. Yep. Yeah.
1: I'll tell you what, I'll leave this on this the most amazing experience I had, and it was the most humbling thing, and the emotions it was meeting. I had a because I work with the elderly a lot. And I met someone who'd been imprisoned at Auschwitz and she still had, she had the tattoo on her arm and from, for a history person meeting her, that was kind of, this is why biggest reasons I talk history.
0: That's it's, one of the biggest reasons I advocate For the elderly people to communicate, for kids and younger people to communicate with the elder generation is because they're walking, living, breathing history books. They They have so much to teach.
1: She couldn't talk too much. She was in a care home and everything else. She was in her mid-90s. But I got to meet her and I got to shake her hand. What an honor. Exactly. And seeing the tattoo... It was an indescribable way. I cried when I went back to my car. Yep. But it's learning, knowing things like that, that I want to make sure that information passes down to my kids, to their yep. kids. That's why I do it.
0: Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much, so much, so much for being here oh, today. What a it. joy! I love talking to you. Well, I told you we'd have fun talking, and I and
1: knew we good.
0: would. yeah, it's all right. So where can they catch you and listen to your shows? You want to give yourself a little commercial?
1: Well, I'm going to plug now. I'm I'm nearly finished my book called oh. My Haunted Histories. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and that's thanks to um, um well, Kerry Greenaway who runs. Paris, so she was one of the ones that suggested I do it. And my good friend, Richard E. Fett, the writer, he was another one that suggested I do it. And that's going to be, that's 10 chapters, raised basically of my show, but of places I visited it. Visited mm-hmm. So I can talk about my experiences there as well as the history. Um, that should be out, I'm hoping to publish that by the end of the year. If people want to listen to me, um, my show goes out on a Wednesday at nine o'clock UK time, goes out live on Parasearch Radio and the the website for that is www.spreaker.com forward slash user forward slash Parasearch UK and um, we're also on YouTube under Parasearch Radio and my show's called Haunted Histories.
0: Awesome well I also have everything listed here on the show explanation above or below wherever it is and uh, you can definitely google uh, Parasearch uh, re- Radio. And yeah, I think the website is dot org is our website, yeah. Okay. And you can definitely find them over by the Wolf and the Bear Network. And on my website, this will be archived as well, so you can check back if you have to. So will you do it again? Will you come back again after the holidays? Of course. All right. Of it's course. So great. We'll have so much fun again. I oh, love Oh, I enjoyed it. Much. Yeah, Enjoy there's always new things to talk about and and great things to talk about. So, I want to thank you for stopping in, Miss oh, Penny.
2: And until next
0: that. time, we're out from Spiritually Paranormal and see you next week, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening in today on Spiritually Paranormal as brought to you by the Wolf and the Bear Network. Many blessings of the day to you all. Music has been brought to you by Chris Faree and is available over at chrisfuree.com and iTunes.